Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast, a Canadian real estate podcast that shows you how to pay off your mortgage sooner and live well while doing it. Now, here's your host, Sean Cooper. Welcome to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. I'm Sean Cooper, and it's great to be back for another episode. On today's show, I'll be talking to Rachel Berube. Rachel is the founder of Landlord Rescue. She has 25 years experience as a property manager. Rachel rents properties on behalf of homeowners and manages properties. She does all the work for the homeowner. She shows the property, screens the tenants, and makes up leases. She works hard to match the tenant to the homeowner. In my interview with Rachel, we discuss the benefits of being a landlord, avoiding bad tenants, and how to determine whether it's better to manage a rental property on your own or hire a property manager. Without further ado, here's my interview with Rachel Berube. Hi Rachel, how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you for having me on. Great. Well, My first question for you is, why become a landlord? What are some of the benefits? Number one, providing housing is an extremely valuable service. People need places to live. And you hear this over and over, especially in Toronto, we're in a housing crisis. So one of the reasons you might become a landlord is because you have extra space and you would like to rent it out to somebody. And it's actually very necessary and uh, very required for you know our society because not everybody can just go out and buy a house so there are certain times in people's lives when they need to rent a place like for instance when they go to school when they uh, are in transition in some way like if you get divorced this is going to be a number one time of rental changing locations for your job you get transferred to vancouver you're gonna have to you know rent out there so there's lots of reasons why people rent and not all of them are are related to not being able to buy a house a lot of times you get people who are able to buy a house but for whatever reason they're not going to be in the area long enough and then you have uh, other issues like in some of the metro areas where the price of housing is is just completely outrageous. You need to save so much money for your down payment that you're going to be renting possibly for a long while. So when you become a landlord, you're helping all these people. I find it a very valuable service. I find it rewarding even after all these years because you're you're doing something that has a lot of benefits. Great. All important points that you raise and certainly, you know, there's that altruistic sense of helping out society by being a landlord. So yeah, I mean, that's certainly something great that you're doing and helping adding rental stock to the market and giving individuals a place to live. So I certainly think that's admirable. Also, since I'm a landlord myself, uh, one of the benefits I like is that I like to call being a landlord like a mortgage helper, because essentially you can use some of that money to put towards your mortgage and pay it off even sooner. So I wouldn't have been able to pay my mortgage off in only three years if I didn't have tenants. It certainly helped the cash flow of the property since I was living on my own in the property. And that way I can 
split the utility costs and also having somebody watch over your property I find is helpful as well because you're not always going to be home and if you're going on vacation or if one of your tenants stays at home for whatever reason they have a child and they're looking after them at least you don't need to get a security system and you have somebody looking after your property and if you get good tenants who want to stay long term they might kind of have that same pride of ownership that you do absolutely i forgot about the money <laughs> well that's kind of silly isn't it but yeah absolutely i mean money and the other thing that's interesting about being a landlord and owning a property and being a landlord in general is that rentals it's a hedge against inflation basically when you buy a property as well you buy it in today's dollars but it's going to appreciate like never mind even capital appreciation which is included in a lot of calculations these days but just inflation alone is going to make your property worth a lot more down the road and the other thing about that is inflation also affects any future rent you get today you can buy a, a loaf of bread for a dollar fifty in two years it'll be three dollars well that has the same effect on uh, rent as well if you live in your property like yourself you paid off your mortgage you continue to live there you continue to get rent later on in 20 years you'll be getting rent in 20 year dollars i don't know exactly what that's going to be so that is also really valuable you can pay off your mortgage you there's a lot of real benefits to being a landlord that are intangible but all of it really comes down to the relationship that you can have with your tenants yeah, that's a perfect segue to the next question that I had for you. How do you know if you're well suited to be a landlord? Because speaking from personal experience, I've had a great experience with my tenants, two out of three of them, but I've heard people who have had not so great experience with their tenants. What are some important questions to ask yourself to make sure that you're well suited before getting into this? Whether you're well suited to be a landlord involves your own ability to live and let live. Okay, and I'm not saying like say damage to property, but I'm saying like a lot of times we forget that, you know, people go through things. So you might go to the property and, you know, your life is all in order, but, you know, maybe the tenant is having a bad day. Maybe they got a sick, sick kid that's going back and forth to the hospital. You go there and the grass is long and the garbage is out and you go or you don't like their housekeeping or something like this. And so you, to a certain extent, you have to be able to let that go. And that is probably very essential to being a landlord is that you have to realize that other people are not going to live maybe the way that you live. Some of them might be cleaner. Some of them might be dirtier. Some of them might be under stress. You don't really know. And so you have to kind of be able to go with that situation and not take it personally and be able to kind of roll with the punches and organize yourself to be able to deal with any what if scenarios. Like I think a lot of the issues that smaller landlords have, I mean, I've been doing this for 25 years, but the smaller landlords might have is related to the anxiety of not knowing what comes next, right? So, you know, they go to the house and they see a mess and they don't know what to do next. Another thing that works really badly with tenants is passive aggressive. You just have to learn to like lay it out there. Like, 
you go there, let's say the garbage is out or something, there's some mess, you go, hey, clean up your mess. That's it. Without taking it personally or, or whatever. And so a lot of people find it difficult to do that. And I would say generally, if you're a nervous or a dramatic personality, you should not be a landlord. So you have to be able to be kind of relaxed, know that you can deal with whatever situation comes up. You'll be able to, to cope with whatever problems. Now, some other people that like, you know, and this is where it comes into what I do, which is property management, completely unsuited to being a landlord in the fact that they escalate every situation everything is over exaggerated like i'll give you an example like one of the things we'll do is we'll send out utility bills we give the tenants like 10 days to pay the utility bills we'll get a call from the landlord on the like 11th day why didn't the tenant pay the utility bills and it's like well we don't really know i mean it would be nice if they had paid them they know the bill is there but you need to chill a little bit because it's like a hundred dollars and it's not that big a deal we'll follow up with them and see what comes in the next few days because you don't know what's happening on the other end that tenant might be having issues if you get a bill yourself as a landlord and you can't pay it nobody comes to your door on the 11th and starts freaking out you want to have that respect but you also don't want to let it go too long where you would say, for instance, oh, well, you know, I have like five months of utility bills that haven't been paid and the guy owes like a thousand dollars. And then you're like, why didn't you pay these bills? And you never even sent them to the guy because you just let it go. So those are kind of some of the problems. So you have to want to be a landlord. You have to want to be a good landlord. You have to have some customer service skills, like your average customer service skills, and you have to be able to communicate with any issues. And you have to be able to be very straightforward and not like in a mean way, like just in a very matter of fact way. And you shouldn't assume that other people know what you're talking about. So we all have things that we do as a matter of course, just because you live like that doesn't mean other people are going to live like that. It is their space. Once you rent it out, the space belongs to them. You have to have some idea that they get to live in their space the way that they want. And you cannot micromanage that process, nor do you want to. So like I've actually told people, listen, you're, you should either get a property manager or sell your house. Like I had a lady, I forget, years ago in Mississauga and her thing was she had a triplex and she had three tenants living in there so she was freaking out about the utilities well the utilities were shared between all the units right the unit she paid for the utilities but it was utilities included so she would go there she would drive by the house and see the lights on and be like what do I do they've all got their lights on and nobody's home and I'm like, you can't do anything. Like, stop yourself. Don't drive by there. You, at some point, you have to know that you have to let things go. And, and that's kind of what I told her. But, you know, she kept doing it. And she did it for like months and months and months. And finally, I was like, listen, you need to stop yourself. You're, you're going to be a terrible landlord. You're harassing your tenants. I mean, you don't get to do that. I mean, nobody goes by her house to check if her lights are on, you know? maybe you shouldn't be a landlord because you can't let these things go. And, you know, in her case, I knew she was like vastly cash flow positive. So it's not like she was losing money and freaking out about, you know, there not being 
enough money to cover the expenses or something like this. There was money from the rents to cover the utilities. Those are the kind of things that you need to be able to go with the flow on certain issues. You cannot impose your standard of living on other people. And that there is the number one thing that I think upsets a lot of landlords because most landlords tend to have quite settled life, family, kids, successful, very organized. And, you know, a lot of the tenants obviously don't have that same kind of attitude. Another problem is you can't take it personally if your tenant doesn't pay the rent. It's not personal. Very few people do things like, oh, I'm going to leave the garbage out to bother the landlord, or I'm going to do this or that, or I'm not going to mow the grass this week to bother the landlord. Nobody's doing it to bother you. So it's not about you. It's more about the people that, that are your tenants and what they might be going through or how their life is going. That leads perfectly into the next question. What keeps a lot of people from becoming landlords is that they read those horror stories out there about bad tenants and all that. But I would say in my experience, similar to like contractors, when you hire a contractor to work in your house, most of them are good. But unfortunately, sometimes some of these individuals like tenants and contractors get a bad reputation just because of the like unfortunate one or two people out there out of the hundred people. In terms of tenants, how do you avoid those bad apples out there? And what's your best advice in terms of screening tenants so that you end up with a good tenant that pays the rent on time and doesn't damage your property as opposed to somebody who is always late on the rent and and doesn't take good care of your property? So basically, I agree with you. 95, maybe even 97, 98% of tenants are good. What I would say about that, and I'm going to qualify that, because there's tenants that are bad, but not so bad. And then there's the ones that are really predatory, and they're kind of like in a different category. Basically, most of the people are good. And that's really, really what it is. And so the issue comes about because a lot of times when you're a new landlord, you're the grist for the bad tenant mill. So you don't have the experience of dealing with tenants and what it is that you should be looking for. You need to be realistic depending on your place. And you need to be understanding who your target market is. The issue that a lot of landlords face, especially new landlords, is they want a perfect tenant. And there is no such thing as like a a perfect, perfect tenant. Well, there is, sorry, but generally for a lot of places that you'll be renting your first time, like a basement or something like that, you wouldn't necessarily have a perfect tenant for a space like that. So you might have people who are affected with credit and so on. I always look for people who are functional, people who are working, people who are like good-hearted. Like initially, when you show the place, what is your impression of that person? That is very important. So I think of it more like when I go show a property, what I'm thinking about is how is this person? So I go there and I still love showing properties because it's your exploration time. You get to find out how these people are, what they're doing, where they work. And I always do it like in a very friendly manner. Like I am not a jail guard, right? So I'm not like questioning them and being like, oh, tell me about this and that. I want things to flow. I want things to be friendly. I want it to be, you you shouldn't really feel like you're being interviewed for the place, but you're still finding out information about the person and how they are, how they are in general. 
And so everything is a clue. Everything from how they can make an appointment, whether they make an appointment, whether they show up on time, if they smoke pot, you can smell it. If they smoke cigarettes, you can smell it. And if those are things that you don't want, if they have pets and you don't allow pets, do they have dog fur on them? I mean, it's all these kind of things. So you have to keep your eyes open while still kind of being friendly about it. So everything is about like, what is this person like? Because a lot of people are thinking more about their needs, like, oh, I need their money, rather than thinking about how is it going to be to be in this long term business relationship with these people? Like, what is the feeling? What is the vibe? Are they decent? And I like I screen very heavily for decency. Like I don't want any picky people in any of my properties. And at the same time, I don't want to to have people who just don't care about anything. There's a happy medium where you have like just really decent people and you, you're like, oh, you know, I, I really kind of like this person. If the circumstances were different, I wouldn't mind going for coffee or being friends with them. So this is the kind of vibe that I'm looking for. I want it to be like a friendly relationship almost like more like an employment relationship. I'm less focused about the money. The money comes after the application. This is like the initial meet and greet. And then I have a application. It's very plain, deceptively plain, because what I'm asking for is independent outside verification of that person's identity, number one. So I take photo ID, mostly driver's license for my tenants, right? So this is like basic fraud prevention 101. You need photo ID. You need like outside a verification of income. So I ask for pay stubs or job letter. I don't really believe in job letters that much. I prefer pay stubs or proof of payment in people's account. Today, things are very digital. People can just generally forward you something. I put less weight on landlords because if landlords have a bad tenant, they will lie to get rid of them. So I don't really so much care about their landlord reference unless they can show proof that they paid like all their rent if they want to do that. And then, of course, I do the credit check. Now, the credit check as a tool is not really that good, but we don't really have anything to replace it. But the credit check will tell you a lot about it because it verifies their employment a lot of the time it verifies their past addresses to independently verify whether or not that tenant actually lived where they said they live the number that's on their driver's license so on and so forth but like again this is all in context because like for instance a student will often use their parents address that doesn't mean they're trying to deceive you that just means that they're doing a normal thing for students. Everything is in context of the type of person that you're renting to. And the category for like say student rentals are different than uh, new immigrant rentals, are different from somebody who's well-established, maybe renting a big house rental. In context, you need to look at, does this make sense for this type of person? like their stated purpose. And the other thing that will get your application denied are circuitous applications. So for example, their employer and their landlord is the same person and it's just a cell phone number. 
So that is the kind of thing that will get your application denied. The other thing that will uh, get your application denied is any kind of deception. So if you tell me I have bad credit, then I find bad credit. I'm not nearly as offended as if you tell me, oh, I have great credit. And then I look it up and your credit is like very low. So that's the kind of thing that I look for. In that context, I'm looking for deception. And there's another thing that people might have is that you want to have a really decent place. The reason you want that is because a decent person will not live in like a very terrible place. It's just not. Like if you wouldn't let your dog live there, then why would you rent it to someone else? So a lot of the time, for me, I think part of it is you're, you're, you're kind of selling, you're renting your housing. It has to be decent for what it is. It has to be clean. Like cleanliness doesn't cost anything. Just grab a rag and wipe it down. You know what costs a lot of money is bad tenants. So you have to have a decent product to sell, at least cleanliness. I mean, you're talking a basement apartment. You can't make it like a magical place, right? But it can at least be like clean and have like decent paint and so on. Whoever's in, looking for a place is going to be looking for a decent place. So the idea that, you know, somebody who's very good, who has a job, who's at the top of whatever category of your market that you're going to get is going to rent a place that's not decent is just not true because you're also competing with other landlords who will have some decent places. So you want to make sure that your place is as well represented as it, as it is. And then that you're attracting the right kind of people. And then the other thing you're going to watch out for is somebody who's too good to be true. And this is just generally, again, back to fraud prevention 101. We need people who are too good to be true. I remember I was renting this bungalow in Scarborough. And the landlord, she's like, oh, I will only accept a, a doctor or a lawyer or like professional. I'm like, and the place was just like completely not the kind of place that a doctor or like professional would be living in, right? And I'm like, how can I rent this place to a doctor or professional? It's like a two bedroom bungalow in Scarborough, upper floor. I mean, it's like not even, <laughs> it's not even renovated. And she's just like, well, that's what I want. And I'm like, well, you know, that's not going to fit. So the proper fit for that kind of place is like a family or a couple working people or a couple or something like that. So you have to be realistic. Otherwise, you'll find somebody who says they're a doctor, but isn't a doctor. And that's really what you need to be careful of. So you need to be very realistic about the type of person who's going to rent and not be holding back your two bedroom, like, okay, bungalow for a doctor or engineer that will never come. Or then you become victim to somebody who's, who's misrepresenting, right? Because at that point, your place has been empty for months. You're so desperate. And then you're, you can really be vulnerable to somebody who just says what you want to hear. So that to me is one of the major red flags. If I'm like, super happy with somebody like if I'm like oh my god I can't believe how fantastic this person is call me like cynical or whatever but that's a good reason to start digging right like I'm like oh that doesn't make any sense like because I mean the places are what they are right and you're not going to get those too good to be true tenants you're going to get real people who live in the real world 
And so that's what you should be looking for as a landlord. And you should be looking for decency and that's it. And you want to present your place as, as well as possible. If you don't present it in a good way, then what happens is, like, for example, if the place is dirty, you're going to attract dirty people. If the place is unrenovated and kind of like all a mess, you're going to attract that kind of person because somebody who is like, say, for instance, diligent or very clean or like they won't move into a place like that. They would like just they, they, they're just going to reject it outright. So for me, I look at that as being like a good thing. If my place is not looking good, then you need to improve it. And so a lot of landlords that I work for are like, oh, well, you're so fussy. Yeah, I'm fussy because I want good people and good people won't move into a dirty, disgusting place. They just won't. So realistically, you want to set yourself up for success. You want to have a decent place and look for decent people. And that's the magic there. Okay, great. Thanks so much. Now, in terms of being a landlord, you can be as involved or not involved as you want. How can you determine whether it's better to manage a rental property on your own or hire a property manager like yourself to look after it for you? Again, a little bit of a complicated question because the main thing is whether you're around or not. Okay, I'll say that for sure. If you're not around, let's say you get a job transfer. This is a big one where we do management. You get transferred. You're not going to be around. How are you going to take care of your property if you're not around? So this is, this is part of, that's basically our number one. If you're around and you have decent tenants, chances are you're able to do a lot of the management yourself. If you want, a lot of times like property management is not that expensive for people. People are very busy and they have no desire to do it. So that's the other thing. Do you desire to be a landlord to talk to tenants? I have multiple landlords that just are not interested in tenants or their tenancy at all. They're just like, I don't want to do it. I don't care. I'm too busy. And they have other businesses and other things to do. And it's a lot cheaper to hire somebody like me who is like actually an expert on property management and the laws surrounding tenancies and so on and so forth than doing it themselves. They just have no interest. And so really, a lot of whether you become a landlord or not depends on whether you're going to be in the same area and whether you're interested in being a landlord, if that's something that appeals to you that you think you could do. And then the other kind of client that we end up getting is people who have a property, have tried to be landlords, and really failed miserably. Okay, so they've had evictions, they don't know how to pick tenants. And you know, there's a certain element of, of luck to that and knowledge. And some people can't pick tenants at all. This is what you would do. And then some people are like constantly, like I was saying, the dramatic people, they constantly end up in conflicts with their tenants and fighting. If that's your situation, then being a landlord might not be for you. So if you're finding it very difficult, then you might want to have a property manager. And a lot of the time, property managers can completely de-escalate a situation. So basically, if you're overly dramatic, I mean, a good property manager can completely de-escalate a lot of situations where you have conflicts with your tenants. 
we know the rules, we know what to do, we can tell you what the rules are, what we're able to do. And we don't react emotionally to uh, tenants. So sometimes it's just your tenant and you will not be people that get along. And so it can create the situation where there's a lot of drama and you're buying into it and your tenants into it and there's fighting and conflict and that's very uncomfortable for those reasons then you might hire a property manager and then we would be able to deal with that and then another popular service we have is there are people who pay the rent who are like maybe like very difficult tenants to deal with and so we have processes in place to deal with some people that are very difficult. And we, we do have some, and some people might even call them a little bit crazy people, and it's hard to kind of explain unless you're in a situation like that. There are people who are very difficult, who are tenants, who continue to pay the rent. They're not terrible tenants, they're just difficult to deal with. And so those people are maybe better under property management system because again, we're more aware of the rules than most landlords are. You can't be a property manager now and not like know the laws governing the tenancy relationship in this province. And so this is, this is where you might want us, uh, if you've had previous evictions, if you're having conflicts with tenants, maybe it's just not for you and that's fine. You can still invest in property and that's it. Like you can invest in property, you just can't take care of it yourself. And that's just part of what you have to account for and, and that's it. And then you can have, relax and have some peace of mind and that's, that's just how it would go. Perfect. Thanks for uh, discussing that. And yes, Rachel, it's been great having you on the show today. Before I let you go, is there anything of interest that you're working on that you'd like to share with our listeners? I do have a property management and rental business in the Toronto area and I do specialize in somewhat or basically I'm one of the only people who will deal with some of those more difficult problematic tenants. We have very close relationship with our legal team because of that. We do have a lot of expertise in that particular area which I did not get into because most of the tenants are great. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Burn Your Mortgage podcast. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also an independent mortgage broker. If you or anyone you know, family, friends, co-workers, or neighbors could ever use any unbiased mortgage advice or a second opinion, feel free to reach out. Email me at sean, that's S-E-A-N at burnyourmortgage.ca or call or text me at 647-867-3711 for a free mortgage consultation. Also, be sure to head on over to www.burnyourmortgage.ca and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. As a small token of my appreciation, you'll be able to download my ultimate mortgage checklist on choosing the perfect mortgage. I look forward to hearing from you and helping you with all your mortgage needs. Once again, thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Burn Your Mortgage Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and leave a rating. Until next time, happy mortgage burning. <laughs>